Hi guys, welcome to Music Review Hour with Taylor Tuck. I'm Taylor Tuck, and today I have my special guest. Hey, hey Taylor, thanks for having me. Uh, this is Peyton Wellborn here, a good friend of Taylor's. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> joining me on our 80s rock episode, which I gave Peyton a lot of options and we came up with this one, so we're very excited about it. I'm definitely excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm trying to think what song I want to do first. Maybe kick it off with We Belong by Pat Benatar. All right, sounds good. Yeah. What so, you got for us? So have you ever heard We Belong by Pat Benatar before? Oh, have I heard it? I've heard it many times. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. I um I love it. I think it's better than like the more popular ones. And I say more popular because like Hit Me With Your Best Shot and... uh. What's the other one? It was really popular in 13 going on 30. Um, Love is a Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. But I think We Belong is definitely, like, a good standout, like the lyrics, you know. Hmm. I was doing some research earlier. It was actually written by two ex-bandmates. Um, and this was kind of like them coming together and reconciling. And one guy kind of, like, based it off a relationship he had. Um... And his kind of thinking was that, like, <laughs> which this sounds very poetic, but, like, the universe was kind of, like, pushing them to be together and that they were soulmates even if they had disagreements or went their separate ways. So, like, him comparing them to, like, the light and the thunder and, like, all of these forces was kind of, like, a very strong theme throughout the song. That's really interesting. Um, the best, the best songs I feel like come from very personal experiences. You know, those are those tend to be the strongest standout songs. Yeah, and I think her voice, like on the song, the way she carries the song, like you feel like you're going on a journey. I'm actually gonna pull up some lyrics. You'll see that I mostly prepare it in my head and not on paper. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> I, this song was released in 1984, I believe. So, early 80s. Let's see. Let me double check the year. Yeah, 1984. That was a strong year for music and movies. Yeah. Wait, what movies came out in 84? Uh, Ghostbusters, for one. Um, oh, yeah. There were many more. <laughs> I just yeah. can't think of any off the top of my head. Wait, when did Back to the Future come out? 85? Yeah, that was 85. Yeah. Oh, yay. I got the lyrics up. Okay. Um, well, I could do the chorus, but I think there's a lot that are like, there's a lot of other lyrics of the song that are, that are just really important. But like it says, have we become a habit? Do we distort the facts? No, there's no looking forward. Now there's no turning back. And it's like, I guess, like, the singer or the writer kind of, like, thinking, do we actually want to be together, or is this just kind of not important? Like, are we so, like, are we so, like, into the feeling of being together and being in love that we don't think critically? I don't know. I I overanalyze things a lot, but I think that's, like, a really important lyric. 
Yeah, I think I know what you're getting at there. That, that's definitely something interesting to analyze. The first part of the song, though, it says, Don't want to leave you, really. I've invested too much time to give you up that easy to the doubts that complicate your mind. And I think I've definitely been through situations that are like someone like the other person kind of doubting and you're like well I have enough faith in this for the both of us you know yeah and something else uh, in those lyrics there mentioning like spending so much time together that you don't want to part I think that's also where people can tend to end up staying in a bad relationship just because they've been together for so long yeah yeah I think that's another important message in the song. I'm actually reminded of a song called "I've been Loving You Too Long" by Otis Redding right that where Otis Redding is like begging his girlfriend, "I've been loving you too long. I'm not gonna stop now, but I can feel like you're pulling away from me, and I think that's a common theme for any you know singer songwriters talking about like. I don't want to give up something that I've invested so much time into because I don't want to feel like I've made a mistake or done the wrong thing or even wasted my time, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I just, We Belong is just, I I love it. And I just think it's it's got such an 80s vibe to it, but in, in a very, I don't know, it's not cheesy to me. Like, there's a lot of 80s songs, honestly, that you can be like, uh, that's kind of a cheesy one, you know, but like We Belong, I think, you know, the lyrics are just very detailed. Yeah. I don't know, that's just kind, like, of, kind of the way I take it. it yeah, it's very different from uh, what I consider like popcorn songs. Like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Freeze Frame by the Jay Giles Band. Uh, is that the band who sang Centerfold? Yes, yeah. I don't think I've heard that one, though. But, but yeah, Freeze Frame is definitely one of those songs that I feel like is a popcorn song. It doesn't really have a critical message to it of any kind, you know. Hmm. Just a fun listen. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of a song that I actually hate um, called <laughs> <laughs> I Want to Be Sedated by the Ramones. Uh, <laughs> um, I would consider that to be a popcorn song. I don't know how you feel about that song, but I definitely just, um, I don't care for that one. I actually kind of like uh, a good bit of Ramon's songs, but um, at the same time, you also have to understand that they're, they very much take inspiration from, like, 50s and 60s music, but oh. putting it together with the uh, punk rock vibe Inter also. Interesting. I know a lot of 50s and 60s music was really, like, I don't want to say lighthearted, but definitely not, like, hit you in the gut kind of yeah. subject material. Right, yeah. Yeah. Well... That's enough of me going on about We Belong. Would you like to start your first one now? Yeah, so <coughs> first song I want to talk about here is uh, We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. Yes. Um, the song was released in 1984, mm -hmm. <laughs> same as yours. Yeah. And it came off the album Stay Hungry. It reached number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100 single chart. So it was, it did pretty good. 21, wow. And before I get into, like, the song itself, I just want to talk about uh, 80s rock in general to kind of set the stage for this. Yeah. <clears throat> so rock in general is defined by rebellion, but 80s rock in, in particular is, it's a lot more easier to see that theme in 80s rock. And it's typically targeted towards young people, like usually teenagers, because they're the ones without authority. They have to listen to the adults and do what they say. 
So rock, like particularly 80s rock, as we're getting into, is so much about like being aggravated and fed up with authority and standing up for yourself and being more individualistic. So all that said, um, we're not going to take it is all about fighting the power or sticking it to the man, yeah. as uh, <laughs> Dr. Warner would say. <laughs> and <laughs> the man being anyone who's in a position of authority over you, whether that's the government or your teachers or even your parents. Yeah. And so the song talks about taking a stand against such people, especially in the lyrics, we'll fight the powers that be, just don't pick our destiny. Because you don't know us, you don't belong, we're not going to take it. Wow. And also, something else I wanted to talk about with that song is music videos were also a huge part of the 80s, and they can help add a little more context to the song. And in the music video for We're Not Gonna Take It, it's the main character's father that he's rebelling against, and his father hates rock. He hates that his son is playing rock music up in his room. And when he storms up there to lecture the fa- to lecture his son, the father yells at him saying, what do you want to do with your life? And he responds, I want to rock. And of course, that's when the song starts. And then he turns into D. Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to rock, but I could do without the D. Snyder part. <laughs> yeah. And um, doesn't the dad end up, like, falling out the window? He does, yeah. 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 But uh, something very important, I think, that comes out in that scene there is... The, the son doesn't, uh, he doesn't want to be defined by what people want him to do. Like with the part of, um, I'm sorry, I'll have to cut that. No, you're good. Like when the lyrics say, just don't pick our destiny, I think that's critical to that scene right there. He, he it doesn't give the father an answer, really, of what he wants to do with his life, other than, I want to rock. Like, that's that's what I do want to do. That's what I want to do here and now. Yeah. Um, and the son isn't really making any future plans. He, he just wants to rock. There you go. I mean, hey, do what you want. I was actually doing some research earlier, and I had watched a few documentaries, like, kind of detailing this a few years ago. But the parent action council that got like all of the like explicit content warnings like put on the albums they like had they went before congress and like there comes d snyder of twisted sister like dressed up in his full rock like outfit (laughs) (laughs) and he's explaining like hey i don't do drugs i don't drink i don't do anything bad you know and he's kind of sticking up for himself and I think it's very cool that he's both sticking up for himself and like other people in the song but like also in front of Congress which fun fact Al Gore was actually on that parent council (laughs) (laughs) something else I find kind of funny is in that council uh, John Denver also showed up which all the other rock stars were just flabbergasted like they did not expect to see him there and the parent council didn't understand why he was there also they were like oh your songs are so great they're so wholesome and john <laughs> Den- john Den- uh, sorry john denver uh told them do you know what rocky mountain high is about <laughs> <laughs> I, that's hilarious well but um warrant was also there the group that did cherry pie oh yeah and after they put the uh age restriction requirements out 
um, Warrant ended up putting out a instrumental track, which wasn't actually instrumental. It had very subtle curse words just all in the background that was just rebelling against that No law. way! Yeah. That's, that's quite the interesting fact there. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I just think, like, we're not going to take it. Like, it's just such a fun song to sing, listen to, dance around to. I don't know. Oh, it's yeah. Just, it's very fun. It's definitely a bop, but also has a message to it. Yeah. It's a it, strong song. And D. Snyder's 80s hair, I just, <laughs> that had to take a lot of work. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think um, the whole 80s um, hair metal image of having all the makeup and everything, that actually started in the 70s with um, Alice Cooper, who's, oh, yeah. I believe, known as the uh, godfather of shock rock. Because he would actually put on makeup before going on stage. And then Kiss would do it. And then when you get into the 80s, like so many other bands were doing it. So I think I saw, maybe it was like a 60 Minutes thing of like Kiss being revealed without their makeup for like the very first time ever. Oh yeah. There, <laughs> there was a good bit of time in the beginning of their career where nobody knew who they really were. Because they never came out out of makeup. Imagine, though, like, they could go anywhere without makeup on them, and no one would know who they were. <laughs> that would be such an interesting concept. Yeah, I just found that hilarious. Wow. Okay, let's see. What song do I want to do next? I think I'm going to do Drive by the Cars. Oh, that's a good one. I picked this song because it's just so nostalgic to me. Um, there was actually a cover, I think, was like, towards the end or in the end credits of, of like 50 first dates so i grew up hearing like the cover a lot but i don't think i actually heard like the actual song until i was like maybe 12 or 13 and i've always been like the kind of person to just like analyze lyrics and so even like as a teenager i was like wow this is really heavy like the guy in the song is going through a lot because this girl doesn't like reciprocate his love or like understand how much he cares for her i know what that feels like <laughs> yeah <laughs> same um but to me it's just one of those songs that you like it gives off the vibes of like a rainy night and it gives the vibes of like an 80s teen movie you know, where the guy and the girl get together at the end. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just, that. I love Drive by the Cars. And I think it's funny because, like, Drive by the Cars. But oh, yeah. And something interesting, now that you bring that up, um, the Cars, the band, was very focused on what would sound good when you're driving your car. So they would make songs and then go car test them and be like... Okay, does this work good for driving? Like, does this wow. does this sound good while you're cruising down the strip? <laughs> yeah, like it's such a road trip song or like driving at night. And I don't even have my license, but okay, if I did, I would be playing drive by the cars. <laughs> you know, going down the road. It's just one of those. Such a nostalgic feel. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, let me read some of the lyrics, which. 
I really should have um, written this down, but here I am. <laughs> Just very chaotic constantly, but uh, some of the lyrics. Who's going to tell you when it's too late? Who's going to tell you things aren't so great? Where am I at? Um, let's see. Who's going to tell you when it's too late? Who's going to tell you things aren't so great? You can't go on thinking nothing's wrong. Who's going to drive you home tonight? And it's like, someone has got to tell you the truth. You know, like, you can't have someone else lying to you and saying that everything's okay. Like, you need the truth. You need someone to be with you like through thick and thin you need a support system and the guy in the song is clearly upset because clearly the girl is like trying to get support from someone else and he's like no they can't support you like i can yeah yeah it's a sad situation yeah like who's gonna pick you up Who who's gonna pick you up when you fall who's gonna pay attention to your dreams or who's gonna plug their ears when you scream like when you're upset or you're going through a really hard time, who's going to ignore you and who's going to be there? And I feel like there's such a tension in the song. And, like, if you don't pay attention, you might miss it. But there's, like, a, I don't know, like, a desperate longing. And I feel like he's, like, showing, like, that he's mad in a way that, like, he loves this girl, but also he's, like, really, you know, upset with the situation. Yeah. And I think on the girls' parts, um, we can often be blind to what's going on around us and not realize the bad situation that we may be in. And I think that's part of the guy's aggravation also. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know you deserve better. Why are you staying in something that's not good for you when I could be the best thing for you, you know? Right, yeah. I don't know, just love Drive by the Cars. I just... It's a good song to drive to. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is if you can drive. <laughs> it's, it would probably be fun if I took a stroll around campus and just listened to Drive by the Cars. <laughs> That'd probably be fun, a fun thing to do. Um, are you ready for your next song? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> the next song I picked out to talk about was Turn Up the Radio by Autograph. Ooh. I've heard this song my whole life. Really? <laughs> I've, I've rocked out to it so many times. Uh, the song released in 1984, <laughs> just <laughs> like my previous song. Uh, the album was Sign In Please, which if you've seen the music video, it, that makes sense. <laughs> At the very beginning of the music video, each of the band members are signing in to to the concert. Oh, so, their own concert. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's one of those music videos where the majority of it is them playing on stage. I like um, music videos like that. Hmm. And it was 29 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. So it, it was up there, top 40, you know. Not bad. Um, and the song itself kind of frames rock as sort of a way of life, or at least a very integral part of life. Like, it, like turn up the radio... It's about, it's kind of talking about how rock isn't something that you just do when you get free time, like listen to rock music just when you get free time. And it's more so talking about it like a way of life, really. Yeah. 
This idea comes through best in the lyrics, daytime, nighttime, anytime, things go better with rock. I'm going 24 hours a day, I can't seem to stop, turn up the radio. It's like, I, I need to rock all the time. <laughs> hey. I, think that's just, I think that's just a cool message hey. in the song. I want to rock all night. I want to, what is it? I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. the same little message there. Yeah, that's right. And I just think that's, that's a pretty cool message. Like, like if you have, I'm <laughs> sorry, I was got that. No, you're good. Let me see if I can get my thoughts together. Yeah, no rush. So I think it's just interesting that this song um, kind of frames rock as a way of life. Like it's an integral part of your day. Like whatever you're doing, you're rocking out to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think it's a fun song to listen to also. I like that. Like rock and like the coolness or like, you know, like, the fun aspect of rock like you can rock all the time yeah. you don't have to be singing you can be cool all the time if you want to be cool all the time maybe I'm reading too much into that but you know if rock is a way of life then like being yourself 24 7 is something that you can do you know oh yeah yeah and I think rock as a way of life you know <laughs> Uh, I think that's mainly been a 80s thing. Like, the following decades, uh, there's been so many different things introduced into society that <clears throat> that kind of idea, I feel like, has kind of died off, you know? Oh, yeah, because I don't want to make generalizations, but, like, society as a whole, we're so kind of, I don't know, like, attached to our phones that we're in, like, this different, like mindset and we're so tied down to it that like the idea of like living freely or you know having fun or you know yeah actually being yourself in like the age of social media is so different now oh yeah yeah rock is all about uh non-conformity like standing out you know yeah and do we even want to do that nowadays or are we more concerned with fitting in that's the thing. I'm trying to think, like, the way rock progressed after the 80s was, like, you have the early 90s, like, Seattle grunge scene with, like, Nirvana. Oh, yeah. And Garbage, and I'm forgetting a lot of, like, Seattle bands, but, I mean, grunge was a way of life. Like, you didn't even have pop music, really, like, during the early 90s, because it was just all... You know, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana. Yeah. Which is great, because I, I love Nirvana, but I'm saying, Me like, <laughs> rock definitely, definitely took a turn. I guess you could say, like, I don't know, Guns N' Roses was still going on in the 90s, right? Yeah, and Aerosmith. Yeah, uh, a few Air others. Aerosmith, which is still going on now. ACDC, I yeah. believe, put out a couple things in the 90s. Yeah. Actually, I believe that's... <laughs> Don't quote me on this, but I think that's when they released Thunderstruck. Really? I think it was like 90 or 91, something like that. Talk about a timeless song that Thunderstruck is. Like, that could be a hit today. Oh, yeah. yeah in definitely. my opinion, at least. But, yeah. That was a timeless one. Yes. Love ACDC. Oh, yeah. All the way. Which is hilarious, because, like, what did they call it? The 
the demonic panic or the in the 80s like the christian fundamentalists were like so against like rock because they said that if you played it backwards it was like trying to summon the devil oh yeah yeah and (laughs) you know back in back in the 50s the older generation in that decade said the same thing about people like elvis presley or jerry lee lewis you know big big rockers of that time yeah so when you get to the 80s the older generation in that time only listens to those people and think of the rockers of that generation as the new evil (laughs) so it's just perpetually thinking that way for the older generation you know which is funny to me because like elvis was like the clean cut guy you know, like, he was rebellious to a point, but then you get to the 80s, and there's all of these guys wearing makeup, and they're like, oh my gosh, no, must be of the devil, just because we don't like it, you know? Oh, yeah. And on the topic of Elvis, uh, his wildest decade, I believe, was the 70s. Yeah. That's when you get the uh, most infamous jumpsuits and everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like the, what was it, the Vegas residency, the Hawaii stuff. Oh, yeah. After the divorce with Priscilla. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He had some wild times. I do like Elvis music, though. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good Elvis songs. There's some that are, I think, very, very cheesy, but for the most part, I do like Elvis songs. Yeah. And that kind of um, brings me back to the idea of like the popcorn songs of like the the 50s and stuff you know yeah with Elvis's song uh teddy bear oh things like that I first (laughs) heard that on an episode of full house as a kid and I had no idea it was an Elvis song (laughs) but uh yeah that one super duper cheesy I, I don't know why that one was released honestly I'm not saying it's a bad song I'm saying it's just cheesy and I don't know a very popcorn song as you would say yeah, and that was <laughs> that was the beginning of rock. You know, the '50s was the birth of rock. Yeah. And going up through the '60s and '70s, and I think '80s, it really, you know, reached what, or came into what rock, um, rock found itself, I should say. Yeah. It it got into deeper meanings with the songs and everything, and it was more formalized i guess you could say yeah it's funny because like well not funny but i say the word funny a lot when i mean interesting but it's uh very interesting that now rock is kind of like dying out like in the mainstream popular culture like rock is oh yeah not like held as it as it used to be like thought of you know yeah and there there are modern rock bands which i personally love a few of them but they have definitely rock has definitely kind of faded to the background like you're not going to pull up the charts nowadays and find rock songs on there like nine times out of ten no i mean Um, even like pop country overtakes rock on the charts yeah (laughs) personally i find that kind of sad i'm not a real big fan of country (laughs) (laughs) i am (laughs) i (laughs) <laughs> I think that's why you didn't want to do the country episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a very big country fan, but I'm also, like, a very big, just 
complete music nerd in general. I have so many like interesting facts of songs and music and stuff and I I don't know. I just I love talking about music. It's a fun time. For sure. Um my last song, I don't know how we're gonna make this an hour, but we're gonna try because guess who needs practicum <laughs> hours? <laughs> Me. Um <laughs> and we're in November. But uh my last song or maybe my last song is um I Just Died in Your Arms by Cutting Crew. Have you ever heard of that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so... Again, it's got that nostalgic 80s vibe. I think it would also be a good one to drive to. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It, that song actually kind of reminds me of Drive by the Cars. Yeah, it does. I don't know. like the... Because a lot of people... From what I've heard, like, a lot of people think it's a romantic song. Like, it's, you know, lovey-dovey. But, um, (laughs) it's not because the guy is realizing that his girlfriend is, like, being unfaithful to him. And he's giving the girl, like, all of his heart, all of his affection. And she's kind of just, she doesn't care. She's throwing it away. So, in, in that way, it's a lot like, you know, drive by the cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's some interesting parallels there. It's so fun to sing along to them. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting how um, 80s rock songs like I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight are kind of <coughs> revitalized in modern culture, but in sort of a popcorn kind of way. Like, it, it was used in the Lego Batman movie. <laughs> really? Yeah, there's, there's a um, very popular meme um, of that scene where that song plays. And that's just one of many examples where an 80s rock song has been brought back in our modern society. And it's just used for, like, funny moments and things like that, you know? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would it would be, like, during a serious scene. It, it's just, like, a fun kind of, I don't know, like, to lighten the mood, which is really funny if you actually listen <laughs> to the lyrics that that would be, like, a, you know, fun little song you just play. Oh, yeah. Especially in a kid's movie, but I, like, maybe it's the accent that people aren't paying attention to the lyrics. Like, you know, maybe people are just listening to the chorus, but, like, listen to this. Um, She's loving by proxy, no give and all take, because I've been thrilled to fantasy one too many times. And then later on in the song, but now it's over, the moment is gone. I followed my hand. I followed my hand, not my head. I know I was wrong. Where's that part that says her diary sits by the bedside table? Her diary, it sits by the bedside table. The curtains are closed. The cat's in the cradle. Who would have thought that a boy like me could come to this? Mm. And, like, the whole song is just him know- him knowing that he's, like, getting played. That's very sad. It's it's deep though, like. And it seems like, you know, in those lyrics that she's just staying with him by proxy, like the lyrics say. Yeah. And, you know, the love there is gone on her side. Yeah, and it's like I've been thrilled to fantasy one too many times. Like this is like a repeated cycle. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's. 
it's a really good song but a lot of people think it's like oh i just died in your arms tonight like love you so much and it's like mm, no not quite no <laughs> not not what it means that kind of reminds me how people will play like songs about breakups by accident at accident like at weddings because i'll think they're like so lovey <laughs> and i'm thinking ha- have you listened to the lyrics of that song right that's about a breakup you know yeah like maybe you should uh read through the lyrics before you play the song at your wedding <laughs> yeah perhaps <laughs> you know it's just one of those things yeah but yeah i just i love um i just died in your arms by cutting crew so good uh, Actually, the, some of those lyrics there remind me of, uh, uh, I can't think of the song, Rick Springfield's... Um, Jesse's Girl. Well, yeah, I was more so thinking of, I've done everything for you, where in the song he says, Ouch. you've done nothing for me. I, All I do is give and take, and you just take, but I can't take it, you see. There's so many songs with that, like trope though of like I give you everything but you give me nothing you know right like also I'm thinking of a pop song called like what have you done for me lately by Janet Jackson oh yeah it's like I do everything for you but like what have you done for me you know so yeah but what has he done for you lately (laughs) yeah (laughs) what have you done for me lately ooh yeah anyway Big Janet Jackson, <laughs> big Janet Jackson fan. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm. Alrighty. I think it's time for your last song. All right. So for my last song, um, I want to talk about "Why Can't This Be Love" by Van Halen. Wow. That's a great song. I personally really love it. It was released in 1986 on the album 5150, which Mm. which was a huge album for Van Halen. Really? And the song surprisingly hit number three on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. Number three? Yeah. Hmm. Which, that also helped the album 5150 reach the number one slot on the album's chart, which was a first for the band. Hmm. So it was a huge moment in Van Halen's career. Wow. And... So many songs, uh, even rock songs in the 80s are love songs. So I felt like I needed to talk about this one because that's, you know, love is a very popular theme in the majority of songs out there. Um, Yeah. And rock is no different, you know. There's a lot of love, there's a lot of love songs in rock. And this song is all about being in love, of course, but also trying to make it work. And I feel like it gives it a more realistic take on love in a song, and that it's not just effortless, it's all rainbows and butterflies. It feels like the song is actually getting at the fact that love does take effort, like anything else does, to make it work. You just have to want to make it work. Exactly. I feel like so many songs I've heard is just like, hey, I'm in love, you're in love with me, we're in love. Yay, you know, butterflies, rainbows. <laughs> yeah, and this this song, I feel like, gives a more serious look at the idea of love mm. and a relationship. And that idea shines through in the chorus. It's got what it takes, so tell me, why can't this be love? Straight from the heart, oh, tell me, why can't this be love? Like, he, he loves her, and if, if you read through more of the lyrics in the song, um, you'll see that... 
you know, there's there's challenges in that relationship, but he really wants to make it work. Yeah, I think that's very, like, poignant of, like, I don't know, like, the singer knowing, like, there's going to be tough times, but, like, we can work at it. Like, we can make this work, you know? Oh, yeah. That's such a a big thing in the music, but like you said, it's often, like, I love you, you love me, everything's great. Like, there's a country song that I love to listen to. Um called love is like a butterfly and it's like whenever i'm with you i think of butterflies love is like a butterfly you know soft and gentle then a love is this 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 oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like that's not always like reality and just because you love someone doesn't mean the relationship is gonna just magically work out <laughs> yeah and I think it's also telling to see uh, how much two people love each other. Like, when a relationship falls apart versus when it stays together through tough times. Like, if you're going through tough times and you decide to just give it up, how much did you really love that person? Because if you, like, really, really love them, are you willing to stick with them through the tough times? Now, I'm not saying, like, stick with them if they're treating you bad or something like that. But if everything around the both of you is going bad are you going to be there for each other you know yeah and i'm reminded i'm always reminded of a song but uh i'm reminded of a song by the bgs called how deep is your love oh yeah and there's a line in the song that says um we're living in a world of fools um breaking us down when they all should let us be we belong to you and me and even, like, going back back to, like, that theme of belonging I was talking about, like, with my um, first song, I believe. But, like, the world, like, outside of your relationship and the world can, like, be against the two of you. Oh, yeah. But, like, if you love someone, then you can, like, get through anything if you try hard enough. Yeah. I, I also love to see that trope played out in movies. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when they're actually showing you know, struggles in a relationship, but they do overcome them, like, whether it's societal pressure or whatever it may be. And I also like to hear that in songs also, like, Why Can't This Be Love? So that's that's one reason why I really like that song in particular. Yeah, that's a really good song. I feel like I want to do one more song, and I guess you would know this, maybe? Because we were talking about Blondie, but, like, speaking of, like, 80s rock, the tide is high. Oh, yeah. I love the tide is high, and I think it was, like, the Hawaiian vibe was so, like, revolutionary for, like, even rock at the time. Oh, yeah. It, it's definitely uh, very unique, especially even for Blondie. Like, if you listen to the rest of Blondie's music, there's not really anything else that sounds like that. So it's a really interesting song. Yeah. I really like the Titus High, just like the Hawaiian vibe. It's just very fun to sing along to. I was even thinking about like Heart of Glass. Oh yeah. And I love the way like Debbie Harry like sings that song. One time love and it was a gas. Soon found out. No, I had a heart, heart of glass. glass. <laughs> Seemed like the real thing, only to find mucha mistrust, love's gone behind. 
I don't know. I feel like a lot of Blondie songs are just fun to dance around to. Like if you kind of ignore the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's some of them. Some of Blondie's songs are sad. Some of them are fun, and uh, yeah. Some are uh, slightly creepy, <laughs> like one way or another. Yeah, one way or another. I'm gonna get you, get you, get you, get you. Feels uh, like a stalker song. You yeah, know? <laughs> and then I find that very funny that like. Um, One Direction covered that oh, yeah. in the early 2010s, and I thought it became. That was so bizarre. Do what? I thought that was so bizarre that One Direction covered that. <laughs> Especially for like a charity, they did like a Red Nose Day, and the song like that was like the charity song they did. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. Like they even did a music video. I just I don't know. Like, they made it super poppy, and I think I briefly or a few times heard, like, Blondie's version at that point, but then I heard One Direction's version, and I'm like, why is this, um, peppy, like, like someone's in love? <laughs> because, <laughs> um, you know, Blondie's version is, like, meant to be, you know, creepy. Yeah, like, the... The riffs in the original version and everything is just the overall feel of the song felt a little more creepy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I just found it weird that um, One Direction really pepped it up. <laughs> just just weird. Like, also, talking about songs you shouldn't play at your wedding, songs that are meant to be stalker songs that a lot of people don't think are stalker songs, like um, Every Breath You Take by The Police. <laughs> Every Breath You Take, I'll be watching you. <laughs> yeah. Like, even Sting himself said why the, something to the effect of why do you people like this song? It's not a love song. <laughs> and it's like, like, when you re release a song to the world, like, your audience can often change the meaning, you know? Yeah. I think that gets, in, gets into the idea of um, artists will create a piece of art and then re release it into society. And then um, society will take the song and give it new meaning. Like it was disseminated into society with one meaning, one meaning. Yeah. And then society gives it this new meaning or an extra layer of meaning, meaning perhaps. I just always find that interesting. It's, it's funny to me how like an artist release, releases something to the world and then the audience tells the artist like, what do you mean? This is what I got from the song. <laughs> Very funny. But uh, I really wish I would have done a Stevie Nicks song for this episode because I just love Stevie Nicks and her 80s rock vibe, like her um, her solo music. Oh, yeah. I was actually listening to um, If Anyone Falls, like on repeat the other day. I just, I love that one. Have you ever heard that one? I don't think I have, actually. Yeah, that one's a, like talking about meeting a guy at a party, falling in love with him, and then, like, he told her, like, oh, if anyone were ever going to fall in love, it would be the two of us, and then the, they never see each other again. <laughs> Which is sort of like a warped reworking of the way she met Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, yeah. Because they met at a party. Uh -huh. But then they, like, met back up, and then they obviously started dating and then did, like, Buckingham Knicks. Yeah. We could do an entire episode on, um, 
Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> For real. There's a good bit of history there. <laughs> yeah, which is, like, mostly, like, talking about 70s music, but also, like, I would assume, yeah, because Lindsey's solo career did not start until the 80s with the album Law and Order, so his, his craziness, like, the solo songs he, like, wrote about Stevie Nicks <laughs> didn't start until, like, the 80s. Yeah. Fun times. Fun stories. <laughs> like I said, we could do an entire episode on that. Oh, yeah. I'm planning to talk about there. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, how do you think, like, like, 80s rock, how do you think like society changed to like from like 80s rock to like the early 2000s kind of nickelback kind of sounds like what do you think that like what maybe caused that like on a large scale well i mean <coughs> songs and movies are a reflection of society at the time that they're released and so I think that was largely due to a shift in society um, many different changes in society um, mm. where we had kind of moved on from a lot of things of the 80s and like we moved to the grunge scene in the 90s and that led into the Nickelback era yeah <laughs> so I think if you listen to songs from those different decades, it kind of gives you just a little bit of an idea of the societal changes in those decades. Yeah, like, I used to be a Nickelback hater, but then I kind of reformed. Not completely. <laughs> Definitely not completely, but I did reform. And it's kind of like the early 2000s kind of Nickelback, like, three doors down kind of rock thing. Was oh, that? Yeah. Like, what you would now call, like, um, divorced dad rock. <laughs> like, the like angry divorced dad. Yeah, like, rock star and how you remind me, you know? Oh, yeah. Bottoms up. <laughs> yeah, just, just, you know, a lot of anger there. But, um, I don't know. I Like you said, like, it's really, like, what society is going through at the time. Like, in the 80s, you want to rock. In the 90s, you want to sit around, wear plaid, and, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Go to a Nirvana concert, which would have been really cool. But anyway. And then, like, the early 2000s, you're in the car listening to, you know, Angry Dad Rock. <laughs> and now, like, what is the stereotype for rock now? Like, is there really anything? Uh, honestly, nothing really comes to mind. Because nowadays, it's kind of gone into the background, so, like, I, yeah, there's really nothing that comes to mind. Yeah, like, I'm reminded, I'm always reminded of a song, good lord, but, uh, there's a song by, um, Ray, L Ray LaMontagne called, like, Rock and Roll in Radio, and there's a line in the song that says, are we strangers now, um, and then it says, like, rock and roll in radio. Mm -hmm. So it's talking, like, it's making a metaphor of, like, we're strangers, just like rock in the radio, because rock never, 
unless you're listening to like 97.1 The River, like <laughs> rock and radio are not like synonymous with each other anymore. Yeah, you definitely don't really hear uh, modern rock songs all that much on the radio. Yeah. You definitely really have to search them out. Like, I can't even tell you the last super current rock song that I even heard. Personally, since I'm kind of into some modern rock songs, some modern rock bands, uh, I could I could definitely tell you a few. Okay, tell um, me a few. I'm going to listen to them later. Uh, some... Some of my personal favorites of modern rock would be uh, The Black Keys, Inhaler, Mm, uh, Arctic Monkeys, um, and Royal Blood. Uh, They're also pretty good. I have heard a little of the the Arctic Monkeys. I'm trying to think. I know, like, The White Stripes. um, Who's saying? No, that's that's an interesting band there. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It was actually... Two people as a duo. Um, really? Yeah. It was um, Jack and Meg White. And Wait, Jack, Jack White? Yep, as in Jack the White. indie? Uh-huh. Ja- huh? Yep, he started okay. out as the lead singer. <laughs> and um, he met his wife, um, I believe at a restaurant. Like, she was a, a, a waitress, I believe it was. Yeah. And uh, he married her and taught her how to play the drums so that he could play guitar, play guitar and sing. And uh, they, after a while, they ended up getting divorced. Oh, um, no. And that's when Jack started his solo career as just Jack White. Oh, my gosh. But um, <laughs> funny enough, something that always comes to mind with Jack White is I saw this session where he played with Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And... Uh, I don't remember the song they were playing, but I think it was one of the White Stripes songs. It was interesting to hear uh, Jimmy Page play one of those. That is so... That is so cool how it was a married duo that was the White Stripes. Oh, yeah. I would have assumed it was, like, just a group of guys. That's so... So interesting. Wow. And something that I find particularly interesting that I think kind of speaks to Jack White's talent as a musician is, believe it or not, there was no bass player, (laughs) which you (laughs) you probably wouldn't believe when you listen to the song Seven Nation Army. No, Um, I would not. Jack White is actually using a pedal that switches the sound effect on the guitar to make it sound like it's a bass when he's actually playing a six string. Well... And that song became, like, such a huge hit. Oh, yeah. Like, I guess, like, the biggest, like, early 2000s rock song that I can think of is obviously, like, Mr. Brightside by The uh, Killers. The Killers, yeah. Like, everyone knows that song. It's become, like, a quote-unquote, like, white people song. Cause it's just <laughs> I hear that song, like, every homecoming. <laughs> yeah, it's always played at homecoming. I mean, I didn't go to the homecoming last month, but every other homecoming I've been to, you know, gotta play Mr. Brightside. Oh, yeah, there's definitely some staples yeah. that you'll hear every time. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of them. Mr. Brightside's, obvi- like, again, is one of those songs people are not listening to the lyrics very well. Because <laughs> yeah. there goes the trope of the girl <laughs> being unfaithful to the guy. Once again. Again. Yeah. again. It doesn't end after the 80s, unfortunately. It kind of amazes me how many <laughs> rock songs... Um, have, like, these kind of dark messages put to a 
like very melodic rhythm. Yeah. Like um I believe it was Third Eye Blind did the song The Jumper. Oh my god. <laughs> where she would step back from the, the ledge, ledge my, my friend. friend. That one's that was kind of obvious, but the like the rhythm to the song, the melody, it's kind of upbeat. <laughs> it's just so um I don't know. Would you classify this as rock or like some sort of offset of like adult contemporary, but like how to save a life by the fray? I guess I would like consider that to be like within the rock genre, but I, like it could be the alternative rock, I think. I don't know, like the lyrics are so dark, but the song is like I don't want to say peppy, but it's definitely not like slow and you know like melancholic i don't know oh yeah kind of weird i guess that would be alternative rock although i have heard that song played on um christian radio huh. i've heard how to save a life i even heard three doors down which <laughs> some of like some of the christian stations will take like these like early 2000s like rock ish songs yeah and play them like on christian radio and i'm just like yeah, I'm missing the point. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, one band they could probably do that with would be Collective Soul. Mm. Because if I remember right, um, the musicians, at, at least the, the lead singer maybe, is Christian. I don't remember exactly, so don't quote me on that. Yeah. But um, even though they're Christian, they put out um, secular songs. Yeah. There's a few cases of some bands doing that. Because, honestly, if you put them out as secular songs, they they will reach a larger audience. Yeah, they will, definitely. And now I'm reminded of Creed, which everyone thinks it's cool to hate Creed. I'm like, <laughs> why are you hating Creed? <laughs> yeah. is, it, is it Scott Stapp's voice you don't like or something? But, like, I love Creed. I, I personally like some of their songs. Like, My Sacrifice... But, like, a lot of people take um, the song Hired by Creed to <laughs> be, like, a Christian song. Can you take me, me higher? higher? It's always fun to do with that <laughs> nasally voice. <laughs> yeah, the Scott Stapp voice. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, um, Scott Stapp is actually a Christian, but, like, I think he wanted their songs to be secular so they would actually, like, reach, like, a broader audience, you know? Yeah. Songs that, on the surface, sound secular, but can have, like, Christian undertones. Yeah. And they don't particularly have to have Christian undertones, also. They can just be a good song, you know? <laughs> yeah, I just find it funny, like, some songs, like, Christian radio tries to just fit into the mold <laughs> of, like, a worship song, like, so hard. And I'm like, may maybe not. Yeah. May, maybe not, you know. A bit too much of a stretch. <laughs> a little bit, you know. <laughs> I could sit here and talk about Creed for a very long time, but, like, I just... I don't know. Creed's a good example of, like, a 2000s rock band that got really popular. Although now, like I said, people think it's, like, cool to hate on Creed or something. <laughs> <laughs> something that came to mind while seeing here was... Um, songs that you didn't know um, had another famous singer involved with them. Oh, wow. Um, and one 
particular song that came to mind was Money for Nothing because you mentioned Sting earlier. Yeah. Sting was actually the backup singer on that song. What? Yeah. And he says, I want my MTV. That's Sting. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That, I, if I remember right, he's not even credited for the song. It, that's just something you, like, have to know. <laughs> I know that, like, in the 80s, like, the I Want My MTV was, like, a very famous thing because... Oh, yeah, MTV blew up in the 80s. Yeah, and they had to have, like, the I Want My MTV as, like, a campaign to, like, call your cable company and be like, I want my MTV because, you know, at the time, like, TVs only had a certain few channels. Oh, yeah. And so when MTV came along, they were trying to, like, reach up, like, a really broad audience. Oh, yeah. M- MTV has definitely changed a lot. Yeah. yeah to you the point, it's... I don't, I don't think it's even music-related anymore. <laughs> I mean, they do have, like, like, music shows. Like, there's, like, 90s Nation. I know they revived TRL a few years ago, but I just... I'm such a Carson Daly 90s MTV TRL girl that, like, it was terrible in my opinion. But, like, yeah, MTV's definitely, like, more show-based now. Yeah. And so when you talk about, like, MTV being, like, a music station, they're like, well, like, the younger generation's probably like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. I know when Prince died, they did, like, a few days of, like, just Prince music videos and then the movie Purple Rain. But, like, unless they're doing a tribute, there's definitely not a lot of music on MTV anymore. Yeah. It's it's really nothing like it was. <laughs> I mean, with, like, the advent of, like, YouTube and, like, the internet, there's not really a need for music videos to be actually playing on TV. Yeah, because now, like, with YouTube particularly, you can search up any uh, music video you want to see. <laughs> yeah. At any time. Yeah. Like me when I was 12, watching I Want It That Way music video over and over again <laughs> for hours and <laughs> hours upon end. But, uh, I don't know. We're the same age. So do you remember when, like, Vivo was a thing? Vivo. V- Vivo. Oh, like the, oh, Vivo. Yeah, the music yeah, video. Yeah. I don't understand why that was a thing, though. Because there was YouTube, but, like, every music video was being put on Vivo. And so you could watch Vivo on your TV instead of YouTube, and Vivo just had, like, music videos only. Funny enough, I remember sitting in a Taco Bell when I was a kid watching um, the music video of Bittersweet Symphony on Vivo. Oh, my gosh, the verb. (laughs) The verb. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, that's funny. Yeah. Um, I wish there was a reason that music videos could be played on... um, TV 24-7 now, but also, like, who really cares about a music video? I mean, I would, but, like, the industry is not really... They don't really care about music videos anymore unless it's just to be controversial, you know? Yeah. I, I think music videos honestly peaked with Michael Jackson. Yeah. of how much production quality he put into those. Oh, yeah, Michael Jackson Thriller, um, which terrified me as a young child. <laughs> Because I remember when Michael Jackson died in 2009, MTV did, like, a tribute, like, days-long thing, and I had never seen the Thriller music video before. And, like, stuff with, like, horror elements used to scare me a lot. I don't know. I was, like, eight years old. But there came, like, the Thriller music video, and it was, like, dark in the living room, and 
Michael Jackson turned into a werewolf when he was sitting in the car with Janet Jackson. It's just, I was so terrified. Back in the day, that was that was really something. But nowadays, you know, when I go back and watch that, I just think he looks like a big mouse. Yeah, <laughs> like the, you know, the effects. Yeah. Mm. Um, they actually had one of the biggest... Um, makeup artists in Hollywood at the time work on that movie. Really? Uh, if I remember right, he worked on um, vampire movies and... Like Teen... Um, oh, Werewolf... And yeah. I believe he even worked on um, American Werewolf in London. Wow. I mean, for the time, it was revolutionary, I'm sure. Yeah. Nowadays, though, we just go with CGI. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Speaking of music videos, I always have to plug the Backstreet Boys, even though it's, like, um, the 90s, but, like, the Larger Than Life music video was, like, at the time, it was, like, one of the most expensive videos ever. It was, like, over a billion dollars to film the um, Larger Than Life music video, but you watch it now, and I love it for the nostalgia and, you know, seeing the Backstreet Boys when they were younger, but it's, like, what do you mean this was over a billion (laughs) dollars? To film. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I would love if music videos could come back into, like, popular culture, you know, like, in the mainstream, but... That'd be interesting to see. I think, um, in in terms of modern music videos that have actually been popular, um, only a couple come to mind directly. Um, that'd be, like, Uptown Funk and, um... Shut up and dance. Right. I'm thinking of like Wrecking Ball because it was very oh, controversial. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, What Does the Fox Say? And then like a few <laughs> Katy Perry music videos. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember last Friday, I mean, that last Friday night was a very big music video. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, came out. that was very big. It was very, very funny. I'm more partial to like the one that got away video. Oh, yeah. Um, at the end, it's very sad, though, because the car goes driving off the cliff. And <laughs> Surprisingly, there's a, a few songs about that. <laughs> yeah, very sad. Yeah. On the topic of um, <coughs> 80s music videos... <coughs> sorry. No, you're good. Have you ever seen um, any of Peter Gabriel's music videos? <laughs> I have not, even though I love the song Sledgehammer. <coughs> Well, you should look at the music video for that song. Um, yeah. Peter Gabriel uh, makes his own music videos. Like, he's a um, director, really? cinematographer, and all that. And it's very abstract. <laughs> it's There's some bizarre stuff going on. <laughs> That's interesting. Now I need to go watch the Sledgehammer music video later. Wow. I'm trying to think of other 80s music videos. Um, we talked about Michael Jackson... <laughs> And we talked about the Twisted Sister music video. Um, oh, super low budget, I guess, for the time. But, like, the girls just want to have fun video. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one's a good one. That always brings to mind um, <coughs> Weird Al's parody, Girls Just Want to Have Lunch. <laughs> Wait, is that what it is? I've never heard that one. Yeah. <coughs> and Weird Al always does a great job at parodying not just the song but the music videos oh my gosh that one's gotta be funny does he dress up like cindy lopper it's been a while since i've seen it but i think he might 
wow. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, a pretty fun one, a uh, funny parody music video is um, Weird Al's Fat, which is a parody of Michael Jackson's Bad. No. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty funny one. I, I know he did um, the Backstreet Boys, I bought it on, instead of I want it that way, it was I, I bought it on, on eBay. eBay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> funny. <coughs> I wonder if he's still making parodies. That would be hilarious. Last I heard, he is, actually. Nice. And funny enough, um, Weird Al, uh, whenever he would make a parody of a song, it would make the original song, like, skyrocket in popularity. Oh, and yeah. sells and everything. And especially uh, 80s songs, <laughs> those, whenever he would parody them, uh, it would often be a bit later in time. So when he would parody those songs, it would make the original song more popular again. That's really cool, though. It's like social media before social media. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the kids or the younger generation who's listening to the parody, like, they want to know, like, the actual, like, original song. Yeah. I was actually going to tell you a fun fact earlier about Drive By the Cars, but I was reading that um, after Princess Diana's death, um, the song was actually banned in the UK for a, a little bit. <laughs> you know, because she died in a car, in car crash. Yeah. But I just, I don't, that was a little weird to me. Yeah, it seems kind of weird that you would ban a driving song just because someone even though it was the princess died in a car wreck. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't actually have anything to do with that. There have been a lot of songs that have been banned for just completely ridiculous reasons. Oh, yeah. That is just crazy to me that you, you ban an 80s song in the late 90s. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Maybe they thought people were going to listen to the song and be like, you know, super heartbroken. Who knows? I'm glad we don't do that in America. <laughs> I'm so glad we don't ban songs anymore in America, or we don't ban songs that I know of. Yeah, not not that I know of. <laughs> no. We don't ban books, and we don't ban music. Well, some libraries can ban books, but you know what I'm saying, like, on the larger scale. Yeah. Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom to listen to Drive by the Cars if you want to. <laughs> well, we've gone over an hour and we've done all of our songs, so... Well, thanks for having me, too. Yeah, Taylor. thanks for joining me and thanks for nerding out to music with me because it's one of my favorite things to do. Oh, yeah, it's been a great time. Yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. And <laughs> to my listeners, I know I've been telling you guys that I've that I'm going to do a country music episode and every time I go to do it I end up doing a different one so maybe we'll get a um country episode with like Keith Whitley, Tracy Lawrence, Doug Stone, stuff like that before the end of the semester but like maybe don't count on that one because <laughs> I'll probably come up with something else in the meantime but thank you guys for joining uh, joining us talking about 80s music and then all of the random tangents we tangents we went on but thanks for listening and i'll see you guys next week bye bye